This episode is brought to you by Cable Subscriptions. Who are the waiters who still have those? Hello and welcome to our part two of the best of 2017 so far. This is me, Eccentric Tom. And this is me, Dr. Shafiq. And this is me, Mr. Toffee. Hello, everybody, you lovely folks, you. Okay, yeah, no know. one's forgotten this time around. All right, that's good. Actually, you forgot Mikhail because uh, we, we've lost our recurring guest character. He's in the closet, don't forget. Oh, yeah, we locked him in there because he had no TV shows or nothing to, he enjoyed enough to talk about for this uh, particular segment where we're going to be talking about the best TV shows, Netflix, Hulu, otherwise, you know. He's like our personal Dracula. He comes up when the time is right, when the moon and bloody and whatnot. But last the stars yeah, 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 let us know. Do you like Mick? Should we bring him back more? Please, you know, give us some feedback, some suggestions. Uh, yeah. <laughs> From the dead. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, just, just, you know, send us a smoke signal. Or you can talk to us on uh, social media. I mean, that's probably the easiest option these days. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And uh, on SoundCloud, if it's still around, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Like, At this time of recording, we don't know whether it's going to be alive or not still. By the, by the end of this recording, it might be gone for all we know. And if you're like listening to this on anything besides SoundCloud, tell us, oh, how are you finding us? Yes, exactly. <laughs> We're surprised. <laughs> you, know, you know who the stakeholders are? the new ones for SoundCloud, right? Potential stakeholders. Potent- potential stakeholders. I thought it was Chance the Rapper decided to like throw some money and like buy over. Not That's not a thing. No, I, mean, no, I no. think he's talking about it and also our very own Tomasic Holdings has been in talks. <laughs> oh, wow. Now, yeah. that is a weird feeling how our government might control our audio format. <laughs> it's strange indeed, yeah. Yeah, then we start talking, you know what's really great? The PAP. <laughs> <laughs> Or the, the Singapore Air, that's really nice. You know, you National Day was exceptionally, like, you know, well put together this year. <laughs> yeah, God bless Tony Tan in his last ever fake out of a handshake. And, like, you know, the future uh, Malay, possibly female president, who, yeah, whoever you are. Like, and God bless that little kid who went viral in that video. Oh, oh, oh my god. My hero. I want him to be on the last King podcast. <laughs> I want him to explain to the rest of the world. Okay, like, for all of you who are not in Singapore, have no idea what the hell we're talking Please about. Please tell us. About it, Shafiq. No, but anyway, like yes, we uh, as a country, uh, Singapore uh, celebrated their 52nd uh, anniversary as an independent state, and uh, during the televised uh, performance, uh, the the grand National Day parade, fireworks and all, yep, fireworks and all. Shh. <laughs> anyway, yes, yes. Uh, you know, it was just a lovely scene of like a camera panning, looking at all these school children partaking in the celebrations, and this one little champion, hug <laughs> life and everything. Decides to flip off the camera. Ooh! <laughs> Did you see the picture afterwards? With a stone face, like a very nonchalant, melancholy face. Yo, I can imagine the fuck life gifs already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you were mentioning like the the the, the fallout, the aftermath. Of yeah, that. where you could see him being dressed down by some grocery volunteer <laughs> in a red yeah. shirt. <laughs> I'm not angry. I'm just very disappointed in you. <laughs> Talking about this is Singapore. He's definitely being caned by oh. someone. Well, at least his parents. Yeah. yeah. But then again, you know, enough about this country and whether it's going to buy over SoundCloud, the platform that we are broadcasting the old from. Let's talk about the one thing that we missed out on the last episode, the which only, is... The only thing we care about, right? Episodic content. Yes. Absolutely. Okay, so we're going to do the whole uh, roundtable thing. And uh, who's going to go first this time? Uh, fuck it, I'll go first. All right, go All ahead, right, Tom. Tom. So What's your favorite show? My or favorite show of 2017 so far has been this, you know... 
nice little uh, drama series that came out on Netflix called Ozark. Ozark. Ooh, money. That which separates the haves from the have-nots. Patience, frugality, sacrifice. Deciding to invest in your family's future and taking responsibility for the consequences of those actions. Now, Ozark is named after the Lake of the Ozarks, which is in the middle of bumfuck nowhere, Missouri. <laughs> I've been to bumfuck, you know. <laughs> Quite a hard place to find a place to sit down. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it follows the adventures, or misadventures rather, of a money launderer called Martin Bird, who, through not his fault, pisses off his boss who is the second most powerful cartel in the United States mm. <laughs> and to save the life of him and his family he says he's gonna go down to said location and start money laundering debt because he says it's a wealth opportunity and he gets there and it is fucking difficult I mean aside from you know the local businesses who want nothing to do with him because he's you know outside rich money local hillbilly rednecks who want to just kill him and take his money his boss who just doesn't believe in him he also comes across a local heroin farmer mm. who doesn't take kindly to this guy disrupting his means of distribution and just causing a thorn in his side. And it's 10 episodes of the best TV I have seen in such a long time. It is just as close as you could possibly get to a perfect TV series. So what actually sets this apart from the rest of the other TV shows like for this year? Oh, where do I begin? You know, for our starters, um, the main character, played by the amazing Jason Bateman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's... From the 80s. From the 80s, and those of <laughs> and you... And from Arrested Development. Yes, yeah, yes, those Arrested of you, Development. Those of you not born in the Neolithic period will know him from Arrested Development, from Dodgeball. He was, um, you know, the goofy-looking guy from Zootopia, who I was just reminded that he was the fox. He was a, he was a furry, yes. Yeah. Well, he yeah. was Teen Wolf 2. <laughs> okay, yeah, so, good yeah, point. It's going full circle right there. Okay. Yeah, but he delivers this amazing performance as this smart-witted, quick-talking guy who is just a little bit in above his head, but somehow is able to talk his way out of any situation. But everyone in this is fantastic. You know, his wife, who is... Laura Linney, right? If I Laura Linney, who delivers us this fantastic housewife who gave up her career because of her children and, as you know, Letta has a bit of a you know, dark past. Not dark as in what she did, but things that happened to her, who starts out the series cheating on him because there's just no love left. Mm -hmm. And eventually, they come to not really rekindle that love, but at least have this kind of mutual respect for one another. Even their kids, you know, we have a 15-year-old daughter and a 12, 13-year-old son. You know, it's very easy for Teen, uh, what, teenage and child actors to just be really fucking annoying. Chickloid! <laughs> <laughs> they are able to be annoying but in a believable kind of way and they have their own moments where you don't dislike them. I mean, you get irritated in the things they do, but it's kind of like, you know, they're teenagers, you know, they just want to have a normal life and they've just been uprooted because of, you know, sins of the father. Like Sansa Stark. Kinda, <laughs> but less annoying. <laughs> like Dakota Fanning in War of the Worlds. Yeah. And Actually, less annoying, right? Oh no, Dakota Fanning was fine in War of the Worlds. I mean, you, know, you could buy that she was you know, just a disillusioned young girl who was making the best of divorced parents. And no, that's just the acting in terms of cinematography. Everything is filmed in a slightly blue, blue, blue hue. 
Blue hue? Yeah, this kind of... My favourite cheese. This feeling of constant <laughs> darkness, a kind of, you know, really depressing setting, which really encapsulates, you know, it's Trump country. Mm, Let's Trump just put it that country. way. It's, you know, a place where, you know, you most likely don't have a job unless you have, you know, some business which is somehow still alive, even though know, you have, like, one customer a day or a week even. And it also gives a sense of, you know, this is the reality you've stuck yourself in. And then when they do that one flashback episode, it's just much brighter colour, so there's a beautiful contrast and you know, every shot is put together as beautifully as any auteur uh, director out there. And talking about directing, Jason Bateman directs four of these episodes and he does a banging job. Yeah, I mean, he's been around to kind of, I mean, he has a very specific eye and the thing is, he was kind of like the baptism of fire of like, working in 80s sitcoms and then moving on to something like Arrested Development and him also flexing his uh, dramatic muscle in uh, films like uh, like Juno. Mm, you know? yeah, yeah. Like, and the thing is, like to me, one of the most underrated performers out there because like he's brilliant as hell on Arrested Development. Oh, absolutely. And it's like also nice to see that beyond that, he can find more work and like kind of push forward. Because I think the last thing he attempted to do like, as a director was this uh, Spelling Bee movie, which yeah, didn't do too which... well. I don't know, I heard mixed thi things about it, some people... Was it Little Miss Sunshine? That no, was no, 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 no. Although, he was, no. He was in it? I think, I no, I think know. it was someone think, no, else. No, it was Steve Carell, Alan Arkin. Steve Carell, Steve Carell, yeah. yes. No, it wasn't Steve Carell in, rest in Little Miss Sunshine. It yes, was. he was, he was the crazy brother, Steve Carell. Yes, he was, but uh, the the patriarch, the dad, right? The dad. I'm gonna say Ed Helms, but it could be Jason Bateman. But I think that's the problem with Jason Bateman. He's the kind of guy who you can kind of replace with somebody else. Yeah, I mean, in, in his sense. more comedic roles, he's feels a lot like Ed Helms or the other Jason, who also surprised me in the series. Sudeikis. Glossal, yeah. Sudeikis. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ! When did he become a good actor? Wow. When they gave him a chance. Yeah. Guess. Yeah, and I could just go on and on about every plus point, and I can't think of a single detraction. You know, it's a perfect 10-episode arc with a nice little, almost TV film uh, for our last finale where they add extra elements and then take it away in a nice little wrap-up and it finishes on a way which is finale enough where if it doesn't get renewed, but I hope it does, it's fine, it's wrapped up, pity that I got cut short, but, you know, it's done what it wanted to do. But it's given enough hooks where if they do renew it, I can't wait to see what goes on from here. Yeah, but the thing is, uh, do you think it's also the kind of the, the Netflix playing it safe, like keeping season one as like uh, tightly uh, wrapped up as possible in case it doesn't get renewed? Or yeah, anything? I think they've been burnt by a few other things. Like Get Down comes to mind, where yeah. you know they left it a bit too open, and yeah, we know that's never coming back. <laughs> I mean, there's a few shows on Netflix that's not really like making the second round. Uh, Sensei is another famous victim. Yeah, there mm. you go. But also, the thing is, um, I mean, do you also want to bring up the fact that, you know, Netflix is kind of hemorrhaging money at this point? Is this stuff like According to reports, that is. $80 billion of debt or something obscene? How recent was this? Like a week ago? Like a week ago, weeks. two weeks ago, yeah. yeah. And then the news came that Disney is pulling all of their content because they want their own uh, video streaming. Finally, I don't need to see any more Defenders trailers. It's also yeah. funny <laughs> that this happened because they just announced all their anime lineup for a few weeks ago too. Yeah, they're really going in hard on the anime scene, aren't they? I yeah, guess yeah. maybe they're hoping to really capture the Asian market. Mm -hmm. Or maybe because Castlevania was a thing. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that too. I never went, oh wow, a good adaptation of a gaming franchise. I would Who would have seen that coming? Yeah. Exactly. I would say the best video game adaptation, hands down. Yeah, yeah which, you know, that's not exactly, you know, I mean, high praise. And like, okay, if I were to make a list, it would be like Castlevania, 
which is actually my choice for uh, best show of 2017. Yeah, well, Good segue. segue. Good Thank segue. you. Thank you, everybody. No, I, I don't mean to steal the, sh- the, the shine from uh, Tom's segment here. Well, but. yeah, I mean, I can't really add that much else apart from you need to do yourself a favor and watch Ozark when you have the time. It's what Breaking Bad would have been if it didn't have the limitations that AMC puts it on. So yeah. this is like Breaking that is, Bad that is with, true. A budget. Yeah, yeah. with a budget. With a budget and... With a little brutal crystal meth budget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it does not hold back in terms of gruesome scenes. Like There's a, as a scene in one of the episodes where a guy's head gets blown in half by a shotgun and they show you the remains afterwards. They don't you know, focus on anything, but it's you know framed less enough where it's in, in focus. And... Oh boy! Okay, you sold I mean, me. I'm watching that yeah. straight away. Yeah, I'm just watching it for the fact that uh, you've convinced me that yeah, I believe that Jason Bateman is going to be a solid, serious actor, and I'm, I'm a big fan. I just want to see where he's going with this because the thing is, I doubt we'll see any more Arrested Development. They're making a season five. They are, and it's apparently going to be a murder mystery. What? Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> On Netflix or some other? Sh- nah, oh, Netflix. HBO, right? It, I think it's gonna it's be HBO. Netflix or and, any of the other providers. And they're not gonna make the mistake of last season and actually have the cast together somehow because everyone's busy. Well, used to be Michael Sarah's not doing anything anymore, mm-hmm. as far as I'm aware. No, but wait, what's the name of the other Blues brother, the one who actually kind of spoke? Was I want to say Will Arnett. Will Arnett, Will yeah. Arnett. Who isn't doing Bojack Horseman for a while, right? There's no in, uh, news of no news season yet. four yet. Yeah, no and uh, you know, it's going to be a while before Lego Batman reappears. <laughs> <laughs> and David Cross definitely needs the money, I guess, you know, because I can't buy these hot dogs with street cred. <laughs> <laughs> I've sold out. So, the Ozark, fully recommended? Absolutely, 100%. So, if you're a fan of what show, what, what what would you recommend to fans of? I recommend it to fans of Breaking Bad, True Detective. True Detective? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not a, you know, a, cr- a crime thriller, but it's got those elements which what which is what made True Detective good. Mm. And just anyone who wants a good procedural, because I feel like we're a little, not procedural, what am I talking about? A good family-based thriller drama thing because we're a bit lacking in that department well, we got American series. Horror Story in a sense oh fuck off with that <laughs> <laughs> the last good one was the first series you think? I liked Asylum and Coven but I really know. liked Asylum actually yeah. no, Asylum was fun but it went completely apeshit you know when they had the musical episode I enjoyed that actually you know it took me by surprise in a very interesting way but okay there you go yeah Four I watched that time. sober and I was convinced someone spiked my drink because <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> But yes, okay, definitely. The Ozark, worth checking out, okay? Heavily recommended by uh, Centric Tom here. Yeah, speaking of heavily recommended, Castle fucking Vania. Yeah, Castle bring that Vania. up. There is a darkness upon the land. A savior is needed. Who are you? Now, talk about something you can watch in a day. <laughs> <laughs> now, like this, I like... You know, it's strange. It's strange that we're now in a like we're in this time when TV shows only last 10, 12 episodes yeah. max. Like fucking Game of Thrones is gonna be only gonna be seven episodes this season. Right? Yeah. You know, and it, that literally means we have three episodes plus one more season before it finally wraps up. Yeah. What am I gonna do in my life once that's finished? No oh, man. Hopefully more oh. Castlevania. Yeah. Hopefully. There you or, go. Or watch Game of Thrones again from the first season. Yeah. <laughs> if people want to do we that. We already know what happens. It's yeah. not that. Fun anymore. <laughs> it's like rewatching Breaking Bad, you know, the magic isn't quite there anymore because you know how it all ends. But yeah, yeah anyway, so speaking of uh, video game adaptations that do things really well, so Castlevania dropped a 
this year very unexpectedly nobody saw it coming i mean there was like maybe a trailer. there was an announcement trailer that's yeah, it yeah and the, yeah. the trailer was like literally like three or four weeks before mm. the show actually dropped no one yeah. expected it to be good or bloody even that's no, the thing no the thing is i'm also on the fence of that nobody expected it to be made it's yeah like, oh they, they, they're doing this oh good for them well, yeah because the script was being thrown around for about 10 years yeah. or so mm-hmm. 10 years now Warren Ellis, you know, he's got a lot of free time apparently, and yeah. if he's holding on to this for ten years, it has it, well, sure passion project. Mm. But and the thing is, like, we all watched it, and it, it was you who actually brought it to my attention. Like, hey guys, watch Castlevania. And I'm like, okay, like Tom's m- mentioning Castlevania. All right. Mm. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's very I, random. <laughs> yeah, because I never play any of the games because you know I'm this tiny little fetus compared to the two of you. And the thing is, right. That is also one of the reasons why this is like one of the best shows that came out this year because you with no uh, understanding of the legacy or knowing what it's about, like that you have you have you have no uh, connections to like you no know, previous Castlevania games or any other media, and then you just enjoyed this for what it is. Yeah, uh, because it's it, such a standalone. Yeah, it is. You know, it wears its uh, influences on its sleeve. I mean, you know. Dracula Tepesh, I mean, you know, you can't get more... Uh, well, he is canon in Castlevania, apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, but still a throwback to Bram Stoker and... And that book is actually canon in yes. Castlevania, actually. <laughs> yeah, you even have some of the characters popping up in that book inside the game itself, mm-hmm. in that story. No, but, like, also another thing, right? Uh, what I want to... Like, I want to gush about Castlevania so much because... Firstly, it's four episodes. You can just sit through this. It's a good two hours of your life. Yeah. And it's, it's a good two hours of your life and you you will be entertained by where they go. Yeah. And originally, like, I think for guys like me, especially like guys like me and John, uh-huh. who like, our, the, the, our previous animated Belmont was from Captain N. <laughs> oh my god, Remember the foppish that, guy. Yeah, that guy. You know, and yeah. then they were like, oh, they're going to do something like you know, like that, maybe? Or are, are we going to retread that? And then we saw the trailer. And then the trailer, like, oh, hey, it's got this heavy anime vibe. So, like, okay, the thing is, fact check session. Apparently, this is not an anime per se. Yeah. It was actually an American anime. American <laughs> animated. It's, it's, yeah. it's probably within the same uh, genre as stuff like Avatar or Legend yeah. of Korra. Where but in the, in the spectrum of things, I don't care as long as the show is good and it looks good now, I mean, doing it. I think that the anime distinction needs to be broadened somewhat other than just being made in Japan because... But that is the very definition. Though. I know it's yeah, the very is, definition, it but you know, it, it's everything but pretty much, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, the keyframes, the animation style, but, I mean, uh, the F- FPS. But you also have to say that like, like, just the way the characters are designed is extremely anime-based. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, okay, let's not detract too much from... Uh, I mean, the art style in itself, like, you know, it was, I would say, is the necessary choice because I can't see Castlevania animated any other way. Yeah. It's a game made by Japanese guys and you know the art comes from Japan and all and that, so like, it's they, they, they picked on the best version of the art, which is yes. Symphony of the Night Era onwards. Like, you know, they totally kind of abandoned the whole Frazetta-style beefcake uh, Simon Belmont. Yep, yep. And then they, they gave us something that is like... And also close enough to something like Game of Thrones so that Western audiences don't feel too alienated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like, it doesn't have too many uh, anime <laughs> yep. tropes and too many, like, you know, uh, anime trademarks that would be a little bit um, hard to swallow. Mm-hmm. And then it just drops some amazing gore. The, the, the strongest? I wouldn't even say strongest. I would say like, I didn't expect an animation to be so painful. Not painful? 
It's so visceral. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. You know the part where they have little entrails hanging from the marketplace. They kill babies. <laughs> yeah. And that guy's eye getting whipped out. Holy Ooh, shit! Yeah. And then, like the way it just lingers in the middle of the screen, it just slowly slides down. Because it's, like that's the thing, they relish in the violence, and they also relish in the fact that. Hey, this is what happens when you fuck with a vampire. Mm. <laughs> you know, don't. You know, why'd you burn his wife? Oh, cause I'm a crazy. You know, she's a witch. Like, yeah, she's a witch. Every every fight that happened in that show, really, really well done. And, I mean. and this thing is like yeah. it wrap. I wouldn't say it wraps up, but it's like every character's development and every character like uh, the, they all get what they deserve, or they all get to where they need to go. Yeah. yeah. And that's the like the best part is oh, of course oh man I I know we gushed about it very uh, a lot. It's actually. basically the start of Castlevania three, but mm. it's a good start. And definitely. The thing is that if you've never played the game, that doesn't matter at all. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. they tell you just enough so you know who Trevor Belmont is, you know who Alucard is, you know who Dracula is, and they do a good job of making you sympathize somewhat with Dracula. I mean, he goes a little bit overboard, but you're watching his wife being burnt, and you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These I, I think revenge, to die. yeah. All of them, you know. And, and I also especially love that line is like, you know, like, oh, you're killing innocent people. They're not innocent. You know, any one of them could have stopped this from happening. Yeah, mm-hmm. or the part in the first episode where he says, I've given you a year to sort your <laughs> shit out. You didn't. <laughs> and you're celebrating my wife's death. You deserve you... everything I'm throwing at you. Oh, man. And like, you know, once that, when the skies open up and it rained blood, like, oh. you know. Dude, like, you know, this this show is just so fucking metal, man. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. No, and if anything, right, I want to see this, hopefully, maybe season two, expand a little bit more, go for the eight seasons. I know animation It's going to go for eight episodes for you the second so? season, from I, what I've heard. I think yeah. that That's uh, like, the response has been yep. good enough to the point where they're going to put in a bit more money, a bit more time. I mean, who knows? Animation is expensive and time-consuming. I, I don't know. Is it uh, done with a computer or is it hand-drawn? I'm not sure. At this point of time, it's probably a bit of both. Yeah, I mean, oh, obviously both. the CGI elements when I'm talking about the main characters because they feel quite hand-drawn. They are hand-drawn, no, I believe. I, I'm still, I still believe this. I mean, it's not cell animation. No. That, I mean, but it's all done on computer. So I would say probably like whatever modern animation techniques, you know, like, hey, just throw these guys some money. And the thing is, right, that, we need to see more animation like this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, nice grown-up, like you know, in-your-face animation. Like as much as I love Pixar and like Disney for like you know shitting out whatever they do. Yeah. Oh man, grown-up anime. Like I haven't seen it, and this is something outside of Japan. Yeah. Like you'll see something like Berserk, yeah. or you'll see something like Attack on Titan for some. Or Attack on Titan. There you recent. go. Something a bit more. No, could, could you imagine if this was made like ten years ago? It would have gotten a PG-13 sort of thing before even uh, Netflix came in. So kind of stars, you know. Yeah, that, you and know, your Trevor Belmont will get rid of demons by throwing holy water and it just poof in PG thirteen dust. Yep. Mm-hmm. In spoken ashes. I mean, I think I need to give shoutouts to like the showrunner for Castlevania, whose name escapes me right now. Are Ari Shankar. Ari Shankar. Yeah, that crazy. You crazy diamond. <laughs> please, please do more shows. Just keep doing what you do. I mean, have you seen this guy in interviews or doing like uh, press releases? A little bit here and there. Like yeah. he wears like corpse paint and stuff. Like, <laughs> That's funny. That dude. That dude knows what this is all about. But it's the kind of guy where you're happy he's got this, because otherwise he would just start killing people. <laughs> no, just he s- won't. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure about that? No, he'll probably just write really amazing fan fiction somewhere. No, but if anything, like, you know... And make a movie out of it. Eh, <laughs> there you go, but... Like, if, if you're not a fan of the Castlevania video games, that doesn't matter. If you like animation that's a little bit edgy, a little bit in your face, and probably, you know, very well performed, very cinematic, very atmospheric, 
And if you're a busy person mm -hmm. and you have two hours to kill, there you go. Yeah, yeah. two hours. That's you all you need. need. Something to watch on the commute, man. Yeah. yeah. What better than seeing demons eat babies and <laughs> <laughs> seeing like priests and get their eyes ripped out. <laughs> and having a head being slurped incredibly <laughs> close. Yeah, yeah. Very graphically. I, I, li I like those subtitles. Um, <laughs> that scene. <laughs> 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 kiss you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, it's like uh, Nunu from uh, Teletubbies. <laughs> oh god, how can you put two and Try to get that image out of your head now. Oh man, satanic Teletubbies, yes. Okay, but Speaking of getting uh, images out of your head, we have one more person to talk to about their pick of... Uh, oh wow, okay. You know what really sucks of being the last is because you gotta make sure that it's gotta be something to cap off the... First so time, how are you going to cap off an amazing show about fish out of water, uh, money laundering, or uh, dead babies being burned in a church? Dragon Maids. What? Okay. <laughs> okay. So my favorite pick for this year so far uh -huh. is this show called Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. So it's about this girl named Toru who wants to be a maid for this um, workaholic woman named Kobayashi. Wait, this is an anime? Yes, it's an anime. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. The big twist is Toru herself is a 50, 80 foot dragon who can transform into a human, shrink, sorry, shrink herself into a human at will with horns on the head, of course. Uh huh. So and a horny little girl. I guess so, yeah, yeah. I want to go for that joke. Okay. Now, the way they met up is like um, Kobayashi was drunk ends up in the forest somehow, comes across a dragon when she's drunk and she's like, hey, wanna live with me? Then Tori sees this as a sign of like, okay, I accept you as me being your servant and stuff, and then she becomes a maid from there. Now, Kobayashi has to actually teach her how to be a maid and stuff, so, which leads to more, because she's from a fantasy world, she does not know how the real world works per se, so she ends up doing some destructive stuff here and there, maybe not doing things that normal humans would do per se, use magic to solve her problems. So this one time she actually trashed the entire place, her entire room, just cast magic to make all the things pop up again. So it's all 12 episodes of slice of life kind of humor. Okay. Trying to get, trying to cope with how to work in life. And having her friends, her dragon, other dragon friends coming into her life as well. Okay. So they become one big sort of happy family. Big so, happy dragon family. Yes, dragon family per se. Okay, so um, my main question is, if you are not a fan of anime, as I have said of myself a few times in uh, this uh, podcast series, how do you draw those people in? Because right now it sounds like it's got a lot of the trappings of anime which can easily turn people off. How does the show overcome that? That's a very tough one because, to be honest, I don't watch, I haven't watched that many shows that actually stuck out to me. I uh, mean, Castlevania is great, but... Yeah. We already talked about that in detail anyway. Uh -huh. And I believe this is like the sort of like the one show that stuck out because it takes fantasy conventions and then just tries to bring it into a real life where it sort of works like... And then I just laugh at it because it makes me feel good just seeing these two characters just hang out basically, you know? You don't see that many animes just taking things lightheartedly, per se. Okay, so... What... At least this year anyway. Alright, so what would be a Western equipment? equivalent broadest terms possible because you know this just sounds batshit insane i don't know maybe oh uh, man maybe 
Okay, I can't say Kimmy Schmidt because it's already batshit insane as it is. Okay. Um, wow, that's a really tough... Okay, maybe if we had Full House... Okay, that's a very horrible example. Like... So if the Olsen twins were dragons. Cool dragons. Yeah, yeah. Cool dragons. Okay, so okay. imagine... Okay, imagine the Game of Thrones dragon who suddenly, be- suddenly wants to become human somehow and ends up in a Full House kind of situation. Okay, but I can't imagine... Like an 80s comedy, per se, you know? Alright, but I can't imagine Drogon wanting to be a servant because that boy's got attitude Oh, yeah, he's got attitude problems, yeah. Oh, no, this this, uh, Toru actually has attitude problems because she still scorns humans and stuff. And her other friends, like uh, the dragon Fafnir. Yeah. She ends up hating humans, obviously, because he's like a cursed dragon of sorts. But when he goes into human mode, he ends up becoming, of all things, an otaku for some... Because he befriends humans somehow. Apparently, the... Uh, Kobarashi herself has a co-worker who basically is a normal human being and uh-huh. then ends up going to otaku mode when they're together and when they're drunk. So he ends up, you know, befriending Fafnir because he's homeless and shit. His name is Fafnir? Yes, Fafnir. How do you pronounce that in Japanese? F-A-F. Fafnir. There you go. Fafnir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then we got Quetzalcoatl who ends up... How do they pronounce that in Japanese? Oh, they just say Lukua. They just shorten the name. Mm. Yeah. Clever. Easier for everyone who ends up as a big-breasted woman for some reason, I don't know. Because okay, I, Japan. I, yes. I, I, I need to put up my little uh, party pooper flag and uh, <laughs> say, Quetzalcoatl's not a dragon, he's a feather oh, serpent. Oh, feather serpent, yeah. They yeah. didn't mention it in the show. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, okay. with, with big but they just kind of like... <laughs> because somehow the, the dragons think that, oh, because I'm D for dragon, I thought I have boobs. So there you go. They don't know how to actually form realistic human bodies. That's why they kind of get away with it. So I kind of felt that human was kind of like, okay, that, that makes sense. Because how will a dragon know how to shapeshift to a human being in the first place without knowing how humans look unless they kill them, right? Listen, Mr. Toffee, yeah. if I was a dragon and I had the opportunity, the opportunity to transform myself into a very svelte young girl, Big boobies, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, there you go. There you see the logic there, right? You know, per course, I mean, I want to definitely entrap people into my lair to eat them. So, what would attract more all these very delicious young men? But you know, amazing Quetzalcoatl tatas. Quetzalcoatl tatas, yes. So that's the thing. That's the thing that they play around. You know? Finally, I have a hashtag. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Your turn for one. Uh, I think the one standout joke that was in my head that from the show uh, from the first episode was basically Toru trying to figure out how to do laundry. She calls up Lukua, and Lukua just brought, brings up the whole Yggdrasil um, world tree thing, how the snake actually bites it, and then Yggdrasil, Yggdrasil, Yggdrasil kind of story to explain laundry, how the concept of washing laundry to Toru herself. So a Western influenced dragon asks a Mexican god of yes. life and death about uh, about about Ryan. about yeah <laughs> about yeah oh, about Aztec. Uh, Aztec. Oh, Aztec. My bad. Yeah, your history badge, sir. <laughs> I oh never had one <laughs> about about Norse <laughs> mythology. <laughs> it's oh. super strange. Yes, but oh. somehow we, I kind of believe in this world that somehow dragons no shit or feathered serpents in this case no shit somehow. Okay, so um. I am thoroughly confused. Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. This yeah, is, yeah, yeah. This it's, is, it's a slice of life anime that somehow works in dragons. Based around mix. little girls who are actually dragons. Horny little girls. And some yeah, horny, more, horny, yes. more well endowed than others. Can we yeah, please yeah. stop saying horny little girls? I don't no, wanna... we will not. That's I, will, I will be honest, there's actually a bit of a... Toru kind of likes Kobayashi to to that point. Mm-hmm. Where she actually would sort of lick her laundry at one point until... Uh, Kobayashi was kind of creepy, because obviously, dragons right? like yeah. licking each other's laundry apparently I guess so yes yes Japan we love you <laughs> <laughs> but 
but, but this is sort of like the fish out of water thing. I mean, you don't do this shit in public, right? But somehow these dragons, will, they don't know any better, right, per se. So obviously Kobayashi gave her a talk down and all that. So that's kind of like the how they hold. And eventually she learns how to actually cope and work her way into human society and stuff. And well, she ends up living, living in the world and all that. But stupid shit happens in a way too. So. Of course, because, you know, you need to have a comedy of errors with an 80-foot dragon being a small, big-titted, horny girl. <laughs> yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I never thought I'd ever say that sentence in my life. But there, here we are. <laughs> yeah. there you go, we At the right. very least, it's worth a watch just to see how a crazy premise can somehow work in the very, you know, kind of comedic kind of fashion, per se. I would say this, right? Last King fans, if you're a fan of dragons, big titties, laundry scenes, <laughs> what's the show called again? Uh, Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. And I haven't even gotten to the little girl yet. Um, okay, Kana, let's, Kana. let's not get to any little girl. <laughs> yeah. Let's like leave it. We leave it right there. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay, we don't need to go there. But, but, to, but to answer your question, Tom, yeah. I can actually recommend this to someone who's not into anime, uh-huh. at least for the first few episodes until it gets a bit more batshit crazy insane. Okay. Okay, would there be any other series you need to watch first to kind of inoculate yourself against the oddness? Oh, uh, Azumanga so Dayo for one. <laughs> Azumanga Dayo, that's Azumanga one example. Dayo, that's probably the closest frame of reference. Okay. Because any other type of live anime that I can recommend, you probably won't like it from the first episode. Okay, so, I mean, I will also say Samurai Girls. Samurai Girls also has, it has that vibe. Maybe, right? maybe, yeah, yeah, that works too. Yeah. I mean, if you like big titties and a samurai <laughs> and very faint uh, ties to actual ancient history, yeah, Samurai Girls. And that's what you. I like about Kobashi's Dragon Maid. I mean, the tits are obviously there, but that's not the huge focus. <laughs> that's not the focus. Oh my that God. was never the focus. We but keep mentioning it, but yes. still not the focus. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Oh man, remember the running joke from season one? Hey, Mr. Toffee, how's the jiggle physics? <laughs> Bring that back. Welcome to part three of uh, Shafiq and Toffee Educate Eccentric Tom about anime. It's all about them titties, sir. All about them titties. And all them historical uh, references that you love so much. Okay. Well, also, so- another scene that stuck out to me was when uh, Toru, Toru fights against her dragon pal. Like uh-huh. They're like roughhousing, but the roughhousing ends up destroying the entire field You know around. what the image in my mind right now is? It's like these two immense dragons with amazing breasts slapping each other with pillows. No, no, no. That's not the case. No, so no, you've no. been to Rule 34 before. <laughs> oh, yes, I have. No, that's not the case. I mean, the humor is basically like these two regular humans fighting and somehow the entire entire field around them just blows up in flames and conflagrations and shit. Like, like Dragon Ball Z fighter characters fighting, basically. Mm. You okay. don't expect that shit, but then when you see that happening in the second episode, it's like, I couldn't just, I couldn't stop laughing at that. Okay, well, this is enough to make me interested enough to watch it because I... He had me at titties, man. I, <laughs> I'm a simple man. I'm a simple man. I like dragons. I like boobs. Sometimes laundry. Okay, um, laundry washing. Laundry washing. Before we head into the break, um... Like just very quickly, other aspects in terms of you know animation style, directing. It's colorful. Yeah. It's a uh, very well animated, especially with the dragon transforming scenes and flying and fighting bits as well. Okay. Yes, there's fighting in this. Yes. Well, right, you've already described uh, one very particular sexually confusing uh, scene. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure any other questions I could have other than... I'm uh, just going to watch this for the data. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just the and it's really short too. It's only like, what, 12 episodes? If I recall, and each yeah. episode's, what, half an hour long? About half an hour. Yeah, half an hour. So, standard anime length. Okay. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Okay, I can. That's a weekend and a box of tissues. <laughs> <laughs> we have to go there shopping. Of course. This is definitely something I can't watch with my wife. <laughs> no, I think your wife might find it enduring. What no, she won't. What if she dresses a dragon, sir? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's learn enough about this. So, uh, yeah. Double D for dragons, baby! <laughs> so, this has been. You know, our picks of uh, serialized uh, content for 2017. We're just gonna go into a quick break, and then when we come back, we could talk about one last thing about 2017, which we thought was noteworthy to talk about. Things we enjoyed, things that we maybe just feel like need to be discussed. Our experiences of 2017. So yeah. far. So far. So far. Don't get on us yet, internet. We know that Ragnarok and Infinity War is coming. And Last Jedi. And, and a bunch of conventions happening and stuff. That too. So, uh, yeah, we'll be right back after these messages. Hey, everybody! It's me, Chizuru! Yeah, your favorite dragon girl with huge titties! Wanna tell you to listen to the Last King Podcast, my favorite podcast! Okasai! And we're back. <laughs> Thanks, Chizuru. Okay. Don't set fire to the studio, Don't please. Don't let the door hit your tits on the way out. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, anyway, yes. Who okay. lets her in? <laughs> I don't know. She's she's a magical dragon with amazing tatas, so like she can come in anytime she wants. But anyway, speaking of batshit and saying cr- crazy Japanese things, okay, so this is gonna be a very special uh, final segment for our wrap up of Best of 2017 so far. So we've talked about movies, video games, TV shows. Now, what I wanna do for this final segment, and the three of us are gonna do actually, is we're gonna talk about anything else that came out in 2017 that's not within the same category as those other three things and um, you know just gush about you know what an amazing 2017 uh, has been in other uh, forms of media mm-hmm. so I shall go first yeah I'm gonna talk about a video game <laughs> <laughs> now, when you said you wanted to move away from the things we already discussed we're bringing it back to a full circle I well, guess well the thing is this is not just a video game this is a remastered on PC video game a totally new genre started by that amazing other remastered for PC video game Bayonetta <laughs> <laughs> so okay I want to gush a little bit about a game that I've gushed about previously and also in full effect on our very special uh, Going Platinum episode, uh, shoutouts to previous episodes. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna talk about motherfucking Vanquish finally arriving on PC. Yes! Sixty frames per <laughs> second, yo. Oh no, controlling with a mouse, being able to just like adjust things, <laughs> you know, like having it run on a rig and not sputter. You know, like okay, shoutouts to the PS3 for being the workhorse it was back in the day. You know, but you know, eh, input like aside, uh, you know. Amazing technology powered a lot of uh, US military servers, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, that's weird. But yet, can't run a game properly. Hmm. Mm. Uh, like, there you go. Basically, like this is one of those games, right? That it's uh, you're on either side of the fence, or right? like this is like one of the most amazing games ever made, or you've never heard about it. <laughs> yeah. And which side on the fence are you guys on? I know, Mr. Uh, I played a shitload of this game. It's the best. It's like the best third-person shooter that. Why no one copied it? I really have no idea why, honestly. Because it didn't sell that well. I would even say it didn't sell that well. Why nobody copied Vanquish is because everybody was kind of harping off the fact that okay, Resident Evil 4, Gears of War, and whatever third-person over-the-shoulder shooter of flavor of the month came out, right? And here we have the anti all those games. 
popping up. It's, like, it's basically Japan when like, oh, this uh, Gears of War game, it's very fun, but kind of mm. slow. I want to speed it up. Why they moving so slowly? Yeah. You know, like, like why oh, don't we just high walls? Eh, nice idea. Nah. I mean, like, imagine this, right? Okay, the guys at Platinum looked at the genre and said, you know, we, you know what this genre really needs? Fucking jetpacks on your legs, man. <laughs> <laughs> we need to have things moving at such a ridiculous speed, and it also at the same time slow things down enough for you to know, like for all you Westerners to be able to catch up with the bullets. <laughs> but okay, I mean. But it's a good, it's a viable mechanic. When you dodge, you slow down time, so at least you get an aim, and also dodge as many times as you like. There are speedrun videos of this game for crying out loud, I believe. Like yes. to finish your arcade mode as fast as possible. And they're speedrun games they for are everything. everything. But, yeah, but looking at this one, it's kind of nice. I mean, like, one of the reasons I really want to bring up Vanquish again is because it's such a one-of-a-kind game. Because, like, as much as it falls under the category of third-person shooter, it's the only one that's... Vanquish is in its own special subcategory. You've got, you know, horror third-person shooters like Resident Evil 4. You've got, like, um, very visceral, very in-your-face, explosive ones like Gears of War. And then you've got this fucking game from Japan that just like nobody knows how to categorize you fight giant robots fight and their monorail stages where you go upside down that's crazy and shit and like they shoot a million missiles at you and you gotta dodge all that shit and you gotta be amazing at this game again that's the thing it's one of those few games because what I feel is like the third person shooter genre relies too much on you being able to hide being able to recuperate health yeah, and being yeah. like strategic that way and this game just rewards you for like no no you gotta go in there and fuck shit up Fly, fool, and it's like that Space Marines shooter which came out a few years ago, where you got health back by meleeing enemies. Oh, that's Space Marine, wasn't it? That's yeah. Warhammer 40k. Or, yeah, or or Doom. <laughs> yeah, that too. Yeah, that too. Yes. You know, and if anything, right, Vanquish to me is going to be one of those cult classics that's going to stay cult. And the thing is, it had a bit of resurgence on Steam. Mm -hmm. Now it did sell well, but I don't see. Um, I don't think there's ever going to be a scene for this. In a sense where like, you know what, I'm, a, I'm glad that this game exists as like, you know, um, I would say proof of theory. Yeah. Like, there it is. No, there's the data. But the thing is, I mean, I could bring up an entire new conversation about how gamers nowadays are so kind of stuck in a certain kind of mold where like, if it's a bit too hard or a bit too frenetic or a bit too hard, for, uh, it's like, nah, this, the, I don't see the fun in this challenge. And it's like something that you know attests to gamers like me. Where mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I want something that'll kick my ass and they'll test my reflexes and test my ability to react to things immediately. And you're a guy in a robot suit shooting bigger robots. I just want to play games like this. Like, it feels like a fucking video game. I mean, like the last thing that made me feel that way was literally Doom, like <laughs> which dropped a year ago, which I'm still playing too. And if anything is like, you know what, Platinum Games, give us a sequel. Yeah, Probably may not happen, but I, I'm I'm, hold, I'm holding out. You know, I'm touching wood that it might happen. You know, it's like that's the dream for me, man. I would kickstart the fuck out of that. Yeah, sure. Here's a thousand dollars. Okay, I, I a paid thousand dollars. I would drop like mid tier, not top tier, not all those ridiculous hundred thousand dollars. Thirty k, meet the developer sort of tiers. I don't want to meet the developers. I just want to play the fucking game. <laughs> <laughs> that too. You know, uh, your name's in the credits. That's cool. <laughs> but if anything, like yeah, you know, I mean. It did leave itself open for a sequel. That's a that's a sad thing too. Mm -hmm. Sort but of. But so yeah. did every game that came out in the mid two thousands because they are always trying to launch a franchise. So this one kind of deserved it. Kind of needed to be copied in a sense, you know, by other guys. But 
So oh. we did several other games which we never saw a sequel for because no one bought it or you know the studio got bought and shut down, you know. But if anything, right, yeah, like, this is a conversation for another episode yeah. for another time because basically it also is in response to the taste of gamers nowadays. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because I mean like, you know, old school guys like me, like we came up from like Nintendo era, even Atari era, I mean, well, look me aging myself. <laughs> but it's like, you know, when now video games are this totally different thing. And like, I mean, I just miss games where it's gameplay first. It's like, you know, it's about the challenge. It's about the game kicking your ass and forcing you to overcome your limitations and your abilities. And just like, if I, if anything, I miss video games that force you to master the video game. Yeah. You know, rather than just go through it and a playthrough, or like see the story or see this character development. But it's like, okay, that's fun and it's good, but that has taken up a large market share. I just miss, I mean like the only thing I can think of is like maybe those indie uh, platform shooters. Mm, yeah. Don't forget Bloodborne, Demon Souls, yeah, but the Dark thing is, Souls. Bloodborne, Demon Souls, like yeah, they're a challenge. But you don't have jetpacks on your knees, sir. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> Whoa, imagine a Dark Souls at Vanquish speed. But I that, that, could, that could work. That I could don't work. want to. I uh, no. That, that could work. That could work. Oh wait, it exists. It's called Ninja Gaiden. <laughs> <laughs> there's no perma. Oh no, I don't know. There's no perma death in Ninja Gaiden. There's no perma death in Ninja Gaiden. But man, you will break a lot of controllers. And that's the yes. thing. Uh, that is true. That is true. I, I mean, I don't want to harp on this a bit too much, you know. But I want to kind of tangent it off and ask you guys. Like for me, if there was any other franchise that needs to have a second coming or a resurgence or to be reintroduced to the general gaming public right now, to me it would be like uh, the Xbox Ninja Gaiden series, 1 and 2 especially. Uh-huh. Like Fox 3 <coughs> and like Yaiba or whatever that came after that. Yaiba! Yaiba. You know, that's the one that's available on Steam. Oh, that was a piece of shit. And honestly. it's a piece of shit! <laughs> there you go! And it's like fucking Team Ninja, you lost the plot. As much as Tomonobu Itagaki-san, that's like the original director for Ninja yeah. Gaiden 1 and 2. He right? went to do Devil's Third. Let's not talk about Let's that. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. He's the Japanese John Romero to me. Mm-hmm. You know, like, okay, he struck gold the first time. Second time, Ninja Gaiden 2, eh. No, but, oh man, Ninja Gaiden 1 Black. Bring it to PC. I don't know if it's available on Xbox. I mean, uh, they have backwards compatibility. They don't have don't Black on X. No, no, they do, they do, they do. Yeah, okay. they should have. So that's the only way for me to play it. Just to I guess Xbox so, when one. it's already updated, yeah. yes. Ay, ay, ay. Or just dust off your first Xbox. If you uh, have one of those. Still. I still have one of those lying around, but uh, if I can find my Ninja Gaiden Black disc, you know. Mm-hmm. But if anything, like, oh, what about you guys? Is there any game that you think would definitely um, benefit from being re-released on Steam with PC yeah. power? Um, I can tell you one. There you go. What? Simpsons Hit and Run. <laughs> oh man, there we go. Not Amazing that, choice, sir. Yeah, I mean, that was a tie-in game which should have been shite, but it was so good. I mean, oh, what? It's it, 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 Simpsons. Yeah, yeah like, it's like, the comedy that works it, and everything. Yeah, qualifier the. The gameplay mechanics were basic as all hell, mm. and you know, it's the only real challenge was the bullshit time limits to most of the missions. No, but the thing is, it's still fun. It is just yeah. so much fun because you are listening to. I'm not sure if it's the original cast or not who are doing the voices. I'm pretty sure it did. It you is, can't do I it. Think. You can't license Simpsons without having the original actors. Yeah, yeah and it is just they were on point. It was like writing a very long episode. It, without, you know, going down the road, which the Simpsons movie did, which, you know, worked for some, didn't work for others, but it kept it within Springfield and it kept the weird, quirky, zany nonsense, which makes the TV series work so well. Can you imagine that, but for Futurama? Uh, that would be like the dream come true. Man. I would. I want a Futurama game that's like The Witcher. 
Yes. Just fuck so around good. like New New York and oh, just yeah. all these NPCs like freaking Hermes or like Zoidberg giving you side quests like I'm not fine. You just get me this thing. I'm a delivery boy. You know, like, yeah, there you go. And maybe like you know, oh, achievements for romancing Leela or Amy or mm. both. Mm. Or maybe with Kiff too. Let's let's not tangent off too much. Hey, I hope they get the uh, Witcher rating as well. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of titties, oh. finally all those uh, fan arts will come to life. Oh, one night titties, my favorite. I think he that doesn't one, have good death perception. I think that no. one game I really want remastered. <laughs> wow. Um, maybe the old sh- okay the Shinobi back in on the PS2 days. That game was hard as fuck too, man. I know, I know, but <laughs> it did not look pretty. But it was fun. It no, challenged you a lot. Yeah, dude, the stage where there was no floor. Oh, I love and hate that stage that. forever, dude. <laughs> no, it's literally and, the entire stage is a death trap, and you need to traverse the walls and avoid other ninjas. Yeah, and the spinning uh, laser thingies. I remember those were there in yeah, that same level. That game tested you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So next to Ninja Gaiden, Shinobi was insane. And I like that guy's red scarf too. I, that was a really cool effect. I'm so happy I grew up when gaming was, you know, not like trying to spit in your cereal. Oh. oh, and then when ninja dogs had caught your shurikens and you tried to throw it at them, so you had to melee them. Mm. Well, like that makes sense. <laughs> They're, they're, they're well trained. They're well trained. That's no, for they sure. Go, that's the trick, you know. Then they bring it back to you. Good boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's the thing. Like, you know, back to what I mentioned previously. Like, there is, I think, a, a new shift in what uh, modern gamers are compared to older gamers. And I can't really put my finger on it or like really define what these like new subcategories of gamers are. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like. There are gamers now who can't play a game unless there's a tutorial level. Mm-hmm. And then there's guys like me who just figure things out and like, you know, okay, I know what to do immediately. And then you present me a game like like a Telltale game and I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. I'm just watching cutscenes. And, and then yeah. suddenly it says, press Q. Oh, 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 oh. Shit, 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 shit. And then immediately I realize, oh, th- that's the game. Mm-hmm. I just need to react to that. Well, I think what you meant to say is like hand holding from beginning to end. Yeah, that, that really sucks. I, I'll tell you what game. I mean, like, thank God for Dark Souls. Yeah. I'll tell you what game won't hold your hand. Which is? Crusader Kings 2. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with satanic babies with mm. cancer. What? Well, well played, well played. Yep. Yeah, I'll, it's my duty now to bring it up at least once per episode. <laughs> so. Yeah, speaking of gaming culture, uh, John, what was another highlight of your year so far? Well, um, funny you should say that. I took a trip down the Philippines a couple of times. Mabuhay to our friends in the Philippines. Just took a quick holiday, like a few weeks or so. you breaking out the Tagalog. (laughs) I'm from Asia, sir. I Uh, speak all the languages. (laughs) It's like for a few weeks, just to check out some conventions here and there. And holy shit, the community there is like super huge. Really? Not just for regular gaming in general, but for esports, mobile gaming, and also stuff like Dota 2 and League of Legends. Because of course. It's huge. Like... When you compare Singapore and then compare Malaysia, it's like kind of low-key. Mm-hmm. Maybe Malaysia's crowd can be a bit excitable at times, mm. but the professionalism may not be there so much. I think much. it's also something to do with the culture because like a place like Singapore, they don't really allow young guys or girls to kind of follow this dream of being a professional gamer. Yeah, because and they also follow trends, that's what I've noticed. Anything yeah. new that pops up, like okay, o- people play Overwatch a lot right now, but they're gonna drop that like a bad habit, like I don't in think a, so. I think a few weeks, last. a few, it's a few years. It's gonna be the Counter Strike of this generation. Compared to what the Philippines guys do with Dota 2 and League of Legends, they stuck to it since the beginning of time. God knows when. But there's like 
then the argument can be the guys from Korea who for like a decade played StarCraft 2 to uh, the I'm just keeping this to like yeah. Southeast Asia in a sense. So. Yeah, but I would say like, I mean, I've always been aware of like the Southeast Asian gaming scene. I mean, especially with like competitive Street Fighter. Mm, we mm. have like a lot of guys from Indonesia, a lot of guys from the Philippines. I mean, props to our own Singaporean CN for putting Southeast Asia on the map yeah. and letting people know like, no, 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 Japan is good. But there are killers outside of the, uh, those islands. They're not yep, the only yep. ones. They're not the only Just ones. Just down south. This is fucking Asia, sir. <laughs> we will wreck you. <laughs> but if anything, we have arcades too, yes. Oh yeah, there you go. And the thing is, like, besides like something like competitive Street Fighter, we also have a very strong um, Dota, a League of Legends scene. I mean, like everybody talks about Korea, everybody talks about China and mm-hmm, all those mm-hmm. like uh, farms that like you know just spawn all these gamer kids. Yeah, uh, but yeah. that's happening here too. Yeah, yeah. Like I was just there at the middle of Masters around May, if I around April, May, around around that that earlier time of the year, just being at the stage, having all these Americans coming in, shoutcasting teams from Philippines and Singapore and I think China. I'm not sure. Yeah, America coming in too. They're all fighting each other and. You got a bunch of Philippines team actually making it big, you know, like and, and all cheering I mean, like, for these guys. It feels like a true international in that case. It, like another international before the actual international, yeah. you know. And then, like, I also want to kind of like big up the Asian pride a bit. Watching the Americans come here and realize, oh, these guys don't fuck around. Yeah. They, they go hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and production Asia, values, yeah. And production values for this show is too freaking. You know, I don't know where the hell they got the money, but it's it is uh, big. It's, it's big. esports money, sir. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Something with, the, with like the little camera like coming down to get that pan shot of the entire crowd and the people walking in you know if you were to compare like maybe the manila gaming scene to other regions uh, i mean other regions in southeast asia i mean where do they stack up like, they're just... like the highest so far honestly like in terms of like crowd community get togethers and also just sometimes production values at the time don't get me wrong singapore their production values for certain things can Go up the wazoo as well. But you can see the budget, yeah. especially in Singapore. You can see the budget. This country is fucking expensive. But mm-hmm. in terms of like people just going in and then feeling the energy, all that, I don't know. Philippines got a beat. It has the most energy compared to any other country I've been to so far. Really? In these, in these expos and whatnot, the gaming expos and whatnot. Kind of almost the same as America, except America has a bigger. Because, well, right, so yeah, they've been doing it for longer. Yeah, I mean. yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah. But the whole point is, yeah, gaming. It's people who think that there's no big scene in gaming. Yeah, you gotta go to the Philippines at the very least, and then go to Singapore next. And if anything, yeah. you know, shout outs to our fans in the Philippines. You know, Mabuhay again. You know, all you Last King fans, all the Pinoys and Pinays listening in. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> hey there. Hello, and for all, and some some of you guys, you know, what mo akong istorbahin. Okay, so you know I what I'm really saying. I really hope that was nice because oh, it, it's it's dedicated to a certain kind of guy. <laughs> we'll we'll wait for the comment section to blow up. So. Okay, I doubt so. Yeah. But anyway, you know, I love the Philippines. Yeah, good stuff, Philippines. Especially Filipino girls. Oh, I should have said that. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> you are on the roll right now, my yeah, there you go. This is this is gonna be cut up. <laughs> not a pizza roll. I'm I'm not promising anything. Pizza roll? I don't know. I'm thinking of food all of a sudden. You mean a pinoy roll, sir? <laughs> I think we're making you hungry. Pizza, okay, pizza. but let's uh, finish off the segment with Tom. So, what was the thing, the the 2017 moment that you want to bring up? So we're all talking about celebrations and happy things, and uh, unfortunately, I'm gonna have to bring it down a bit because there is something I do. Like want you do to- every show. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Go wow! <laughs> Talk about pissing right through my heart, man. Um, no, there is something I want to talk about which we didn't bring up 
at the time because of the way we record episodes. But um, as you know, the lead singer of Linkin Park, Tristan Bennington, sadly, very yeah. sadly, sadly took his own life, aged 41, a few weeks ago. And I mean, I could spend a lot of time talking about what Linkin Park personally meant to me growing no, up. No, but if you want to go ahead. I mean, I would. The floor's for you, man. Go yeah, ahead. no, but I don't want to do that because everyone and their dog has been talking about that. I want to talk about something which happened in the aftermath, which is that suddenly everyone was a fan of the latest Linkin Park album. Which I still don't like. Yeah. It's not and good. <laughs> before that, everyone's saying, oh, I'm not so sure, they're moving a bit too poppy. I mean, they did a thing with Taylor Swift, which, you know, if you had told me in the mid-2000s, you know, during Minister Midnight, they said, oh, they'd be collaborating with a fucking country singer. I would have told you to get your head checked, but that's the way they were evolving. And hey, it's their music. They can do what they want. I mean, it's a mood point too, because the thing is, they did Collision Course, where they collaborated with a very popular hip-hop artist, Jay-Z. Yeah, but it worked because it's a new metal genre where, you know, it's rap and metal being married. So of mm-hmm. course you're going to get one of the biggest names in the rap industry. Taylor Swift has no connection at all to that scene. You know, she got her start singing about beer and banging your sister. Shoutouts to country music. Um, but the springboard I want to talk about is how we tend to look at people once they've recently passed only through their rose-tinted glasses. Mm. And this is not me to you know, start you know, shitting on someone's legacy, but I think it is important to remember that people fuck up sometimes. And We're only human, yeah. Yeah, we are yeah. only human. And you know, I love Chester Bennington and... He was a man who, you know, fought with his demons and unfortunately lost and, you know, we're poor off for it. But he did also release some stuff which was definitely just purely for commercial gains. And we can't, you know, just talk like, you know, he was this... Messiah or whatnot. Yeah. I mean, just like... uh, Name another uh, famous singer who eventually started going down the lines of pop, which... Elvis. Yeah, Elvis. Mm. Yeah, Elvis sold out massively as soon as you know he became Michael Jackson. Probably, no, actually, Michael Jackson started out in. Michael like, Jackson was always being the king of pop, but, but I mean, like he, from the Motown era and his yeah. R&B like debut, and then he slowly became the king of pop, and how that destroyed him too. Yeah, I think Invincible wasn't a good album in retrospect. Yeah, or another good uh, example is Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, but the thing is, they survived. Two guys dying. You know, one guy. Wait, yeah, two, right? Or Hilo Slovak is, is the original guitarist who killed, uh, who died from an overdose, and then Jack Irons uh, left the band. He's playing Pearl Jam now, but mm-hmm. then there's also Frushanti who's also struggling with you know addiction, mm-hmm. and he's not in the band anymore. And then there was that one weird uh, album, uh, One Hot Minute, with Dave Navarro coming mm, in, and he was yeah. a, he was a bad influence, but it was an it was an essential album because you know they needed to kind of cope with the darkness of that period where they lost uh, John Frushanti. So if anything like that. and the thing is, if anything about the Red Hot Chili Peppers, I don't want to tangent off too much. Right? Yeah, of course. The thing is, right after they discovered their period of healing and they just kept rewriting Danny California. And yeah. All that, mm-hmm. Oh god, I remember when they used to be a really amazing funk band. Yeah. And now they're just like churning out all this like you know by the book Red Hot Chili Peppers template kind of like pop hits. Yeah, I mean it's telling us hell that when they performed the Super Bowl, there was only stuff from you know, uh, Stadium Arcadium backwards. Mm. Yeah, they didn't even touch the latest album because they knew no one wanted to hear that in a stadium setting. And so I feel like what 2017 has taught me up to this point, and it's not something new or revelationary, but it's just that 
we need to not let our nostalgia and our sorrow paper over the bits which people did which wasn't particularly good because that's just as important to talk about in retrospect as it as the triumphs because that's what makes them human and that's what makes their good stuff shine even more because you have within their own over something which you can ah, I'm not so sure yeah I mean mm-hmm. if anything like but then also like the argument can also be like like when David Bowie like he was a man recording his album and also realizing that his time has come yeah and that's a guy who was and his final album was amazing it was it was super depressing to listen to mm-hmm. and the thing is like the the resonance it had after you realize he passed away like, yeah I mean it was also similar to when uh, Johnny Cash did the Nine Inch Nails cover yeah mm-hmm. like here's a man who is you know r- literally looking at the end of his life and this is his like you know his I mean yeah it's a cover yeah like, fuck and, like, even Trent Reznor admits like Johnny that Cash was a, that was a better owns version. that song yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that belongs to him now and like uh, here's the thing about Chester Bennington like I don't really relate too much to the music as much because like he and I are literally the same age yeah. And like by the time he like came out right to me it felt very awkward because like I had moved on from like new metal and other things and here I see somebody who is kind of my age and he is doing something that I felt was not say immature but like oh I mean I felt he was selling out then mm-hmm. like to me like when Linkin Park came out they were supposed to be the more polished poppier version of some uh, band like Limp Bizkit or Korn yeah like this is like the super boy band version of uh, new metal mm-hmm. and there was a lot of backlash then too because like there was those rumors that people thought like oh Linkin Park is like a boy band they were put together to like you know well, yeah. kind of cash in on this kind of genre yeah just a uh auditioned to be part of Lincoln Park he's not one of the founders like, it was you know to try to find a lead singer because he can just he needs rapping. that voice and Chester yeah. fit perfectly dude yeah he sense. struck gold with Chester because Chester like, despite the fact that I mean I'm not a fan of um, the first album so much but I, I have to admit you know in the end uh, is that song called yeah in the end in the end, in yeah. The end yeah that's a great track Mm. And the thing is, I'm a fan of the second album, Meteora, because like yeah, choice breaking cuts, the ha- yeah. breaking habit. the habit was well, an amazing song. Uh, freaking uh, was uh, numb in that one. Yeah, numb. Otherwise known as every teenage teenagers um, uh, lament at some point <laughs> in their life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I also previously mentioned on the last King podcast where it's like you know I talked about Nirvana and how that was the voice of my generation. Yeah. and mm-hmm. it was very hard for me to relate to somebody like Chester Bennington singing about teenage problems when, dude, you're my age. Yeah. <laughs> Numb was released when they were comfortably in their early 30s, late 20s. Yeah, exactly. And like to me, it felt like, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't say it's not sincere, but I would say more along the lines of like, they know who their demographic is and they know how to get them to buy the album, buy the music, mm-hmm. and to kind of like lock in on like their emotions, like their fans and their audience. And like, I respected them for that. And like Chester Bennington, I still say, amazing singer. I mean, he replaced... Uh, Scott Whelan and Stone Temple Pilots. Oh, yeah, yeah. And did very that. well. And did yeah, very yeah. well. Scott Whelan, another person we lost tragically to a drug yeah. overdose. And the thing is, right, he was best friends with Chris Cornell. And these are people from my generation. Okay, like Scott Whelan, one of the voices of my generation. Chris Cornell, definitely the voice of my generation. Mm-hmm. And I miss that man so much because, like, when Soundgarden came out, the first time I heard him, that was the voice that could shatter mountains. Like, I've never heard a voice like that since Jimmy Page. Oh, my bad. Robert Plant. <laughs> Robert Plant. Sorry. Slipped right there. We'll edit this out. But, uh, but, the, <laughs> thing, like, but the thing is, I'll, I relate a lot to Chester Bennington because the thing is, I went through depression. I went through a lot of problems like him. And like seeing a man my age take his own life at the peak of his success, I mean, like there's questions I want to ask myself. Like, you know, how do I know what happiness is? And if a guy like that 
is like you know sad enough to do that to himself like wow what kind of problems is he dwelling on well i mean there's this very telling interview he made only a few weeks before he took his own life where he's talking about how he cannot be inside his own head he has to constantly be you know a band member a father a friend a husband because if he spends any time by himself and just dwelling on his own thoughts he's destroying himself Mm-hmm. And you know he's a product of a very sad childhood. Yeah, I've which heard, like yeah. very horrific things actually. Well, you know, divorced parents. Father was an alcoholic who was particularly mean to him. And he was molested or something. Yeah, by a close he, family member. He oh, created man. a foundation like to protect kids too, right? He made Chris Cornell. Yeah, and uh, you know he was an alcoholic before he turned twenty. Mm. Yeah. Shit. Uh, you know, this is a man who. Yeah, one of the. One of the quotes I like about him is that, you know, he started smoking weed so he'd stop drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like me. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> save that for another podcast. So, but I mean, here's something I want to ask you, Tom. Like, you know, is this the voice of your generation? And like, I mean, what was the impact like, like when you heard the news? Like when they, when, when they broke up, where were you? What was your headspace? And how did you hear about it? I woke up, I was getting ready for work and my wife just, she was checking her phone and she said, I have some terrible news. And at first I thought it was something to do with, you know, as a family member in trouble, did something happen? And then she read the news and it didn't quite sink in at the while. I was like, oh, that sucks. But then I started ruminating on it. I was just going to work. And then while I was at work, I started listening to um, to Hybrid Theory, Meteor and Miss Midnight, my mm-hmm. three favorite albums, just straight through, you know, not random, just playing through as they were created. And I was tearing up at my desk because they weren't a band I discovered by myself. They were suggested by a friend, but you know, it was that time and place. Yeah, they. Mm-hmm. I was 16 when I first listened to it. The perfect, you know, targeted audience for that. And I'm not gonna say any hackney shit like they helped me through tough times, but they definitely gave me a kind of audio outlet, especially at points where I was stressed about work stuff, relationship stuff, family stuff. They were the perfect she- soundtrack to a 16-year-old you getting mm, through yeah, the day. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they were also one of the first bands where I played it to my dad and he liked it. And for me, even though, you know, I was rebellious, I was like, oh, fuck you, you don't know what music is. But to get his approval was something special to me at the time as well. It was something where he started buying albums before I did. It's like, holy shit, how did I manage that? And yeah, they were a very important part of my life. Not as important as it has been for other people, but it was probably the most impactful celebrity death to me mm-hmm. in recent years, possibly ever. I mean, I can't think of anyone else passing tomorrow who would have as much of an impact on me. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll be, yeah. He was an amazing man, but Linkin Park has had some duds. I stopped listening after Hunting Party because that was, for me, a shy album. I mean, even the- Hunting Party was what year again, sorry? Uh, 2011, 2012, yeah, I, I think. Yeah, four years ago. Yeah. yeah they, they did a song with uh, Darren Malakian from System for Down, and I couldn't get into it. Damn. Yes. System for Down was that was the sound of my my generation. For That's me. your angry song. That, that, yeah. that was you know I discovered that when I was fourteen, when I was just discovering angst. Toxicity, yo. Yeah. Just raw anger, and they couldn't make it work. How? Well, Darren Malakian's been washed up for god knows how many fucking mm-hmm. years now. Sorry guys, I've really brought the room down. No, it's alright. No, 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 dude, this is something that you need to bring up per se because people who just believe, oh, this 
guys don't do shit. I mean, of course, some artists that you love or like, they're going to have some stumbling blocks. Yeah. But that's what makes them what they are. That's why you cherish them. Because for all the bad they've done, whether it's songs or the personal life stuff going on, that it happens, you can look back at what... They, it actually heightens up their old stuff as well. Or the classics or their milestones, per Absolutely. se. Absolutely. I mean... I don't have to listen to Hunting Party. I don't have to listen to Thousand Suns. Yeah, because Meteora and Hybrid Theory and exists. Minutes of Midnight, you know, they are there and they are for me a damn good trifecta of ever evolving and making your music better with each album. And that's all you need. Yeah, that's all you need. And you know, I will miss Chester Bennington, and I wish that um, you know he was able to escape his demons, hmm. but he did not. And but he did in his own way. He and did unfortunately, in his, unfortunately, it was the way which he felt like he needed to take, and I mean, sometimes like you know, I mean, we will never understand what was going through his head during his final moments, but that was the option that was presented to him, and he took that option. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he's just another one where you really wish you had caught the signals earlier. Another good example is Robin Williams. Yes. Where you know that shook me. Oh, that that really. Trump. I mean, not Trump. It was really a sad time for me, and for my big sister, and all my sisters, and my mom too, because we loved his stuff, like yeah. Aladdin. Um, what was it on Good Morning Vietnam? Dead Poet Society. Yeah, Dude, I, I was a fan since Mork and Mindy. Oh damn, wow. I'm old, old school. Man. You. <laughs> Talk about deep cuts. I'm an old man. Yeah, but, yeah, <laughs> I'm I, more happy days. But anyway, this is yeah. yeah. I didn't watch Good Morning Vietnam until after it passed. Oh yeah. Yeah, and yeah. It sucks that you discover people once they've passed, and I mean, I hope people don't start getting back into Linkin Park because he passed away. Did you get into it because he is? Yeah. Because it was. But to go back to what you mentioned, Tom, mm-hmm. Robin Williams have done a few duds too as well. Exactly. Man. It's RV. I mean. Oh yeah, Patch Adams. Patch Adams. Oh, the, yeah. the less said about that, the better. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what makes him what he is. You know, once I respect him, I mean, for all of that. We've got his stand-up and also Aladdin too. Yeah, and you know, he, wa- he was a man who, you know, he had to make a living and yeah, just same as uh, anyone who sometimes doesn't quite deliver. They yeah. need to work and sometimes you don't strike gold again. Exactly. And also you have to understand that this, these are artists. These are people who are surviving on their creativity and their ability to, you know, perform. And the pressure that has absolutely. Oh, yes. I mean, like yeah. we're three assholes with a podcast, and the pressure we feel every time putting an episode together is mm-hmm. like, I don't think we'll scale in any way to what these guys go through. Of course not. You know, but if just thinking out the scripts alone, it's like, what the hell are we gonna talk about? Just thinking that, of yeah. like, with the state of mind you need to be in to deliver. Yeah. You know, especially consistently. I mean, especially somebody like Chester Bennington who's like playing all these tour dates back to back, and then like, no, the the. The, the, the difficulties of being on the road away from your family away from people who care about you being surrounded by all these yes men all these like agents and all these PR people trying to keep you happy so that you can just keep playing shows and like I mean the one thing that resonates again like I said this guy is my age yeah you know yeah. and then he's he, he ended his life at a point where I'm like kind of coming into my own mm-hmm. and like for me like if anything is um I mean, I relate to how the kids, like, I mean, guys like you, Tom, you know, like, that's our, that's how we can definitely connect in a way. It's yeah. like, you know, he's the voice of your generation. And like, the voice of my generation also passed away in a very unglamorous way, mm. you know, through suicide as well. And the thing is, like, they left the art, they left the legacy. And if anything, mm-hmm. that should be the unifying factor because yeah. that's the finality of humanity. We all die. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like, it's what you do with your time on Earth that's really important. 
Yeah. That's all I can say is we just have to keep on living and do what we love doing. Yeah. And yeah, leave behind some reasons to be missed. Like dragons with big titties. <laughs> oh, wow. So yes, I know. Taking me, taking us all the way out of that morose, a uh, very oh, no. summer. Yeah, yeah. I'll that. be honest, that was good. That was, that, good. that was a good. So uh, yeah, and on that bombshell, this wraps up this episode about the best of 2017 so far, and also the worst apparently. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that, that was no, not, like, that was not the worst. Transformers still exists. Like, <laughs> damn it, damn it! Why did he have to bring that up? No, but anyway, if anything, you know, the best of 2017 plus our own personal like moments of 2017. So like this wraps up the two-parter. You know, uh, also shoutouts to Mikhail again. For helping us out with the first uh, part of uh, the best of 2017 yeah and the thing is okay this will be our penultimate episode for this season okay yep. we'll have one more episode so uh, last game fans you know what to do you know follow us on all the social medias you know subscribe uh, leave a comment you know tell us what you think what were your best moments of 2017 we want to hear you know and also especially like tell us what else you want to talk about you know because we don't want to just stick within the genres yeah, yeah. i mean there, there's more to us than just video games movies you know netflix pop culture and titties. <laughs> Wait, Back wanna, in titties. If you want us to do a whole episode about titties, <laughs> well. So uh, I will excuse myself from that. Nah, nah, nah. We all gotta be in for the titties. Oh, so, no. but anyway, so this is uh, Dr. Shafiq. <laughs> Signing out. Uh, along with my co host, Eccentric Tom. And this is Mr. Tuffy, and we're all signing out. Hey Last King fans, this is your favorite co-host, Dr. Shafiq, here to remind you to follow us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and iTunes. Look for us, Last King Podcast. And for all your social media needs, we also have all the social media needs with f- our Facebook, our Twitter, and Instagram at Last King Podcast. But more importantly, visit our website at thelastking.net for all your gaming news, movie reviews, and TV show hues. Uh, I don't know. But please, like, share, subscribe, comment. Tell us what you think. Be involved. We're trying to build a community here. Okay? <laughs>